Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where you're part owner, member NCUA, more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where you are part owner. Member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by Lee Pomeroy. Good morning. Joining me now is Ira Sanchez Lugo, who is a climatologist at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Good morning. Good morning. So you are a climatologist and have been doing it for quite a few years now, it sounds like, 16 years? Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. What is the job? What is do you do as a climatologist? So part of my job, I like to tell people that I am like the Earth, Earth's doctor. So we get data from all parts of the world, from the bottom of the ocean to the top of the atmosphere. And not only do we archive it here at NCEI, but we also analyze the data to see how healthy the earth is. And so just think about it, when you go to your doctor's annual health checkup, they take your weight, your blood pressure, they probably will take a blood sample. And that information tells the doctor if anything has changed and how healthy you are. So what we do on a monthly basis, we write these, what I call health reports for the earth. And so the latest one was the June uh, global report that we released recently. I saw that and it was a monthly summary developed by the National Centers for Environmental Information. And the, the headline was rather alarming talking about global temperature for June 2021 was the fifth highest for June in the 142 year NOAA record, which dates back to 1880. So is this significant or is this just a little blip? What do you think? What are your thoughts? No, I think this is significant for sure. Um, actually, the five warmest Junes have all occurred since 2015. So we're seeing a warming trend, uh, not just for June, but for each month. And overall, when you look at the yearly uh, data, we've seen that the temperatures have been increasing. With the latest year, 2020, according to our data records, it was second warmest according to our data records behind 2016. So, so that was last year, 2020. So it's not a blip, it's actually, um, we're seeing a warming trend. So the June 2021 global temperature was the fifth warmest, but when we look at the five warmest years, they all have occurred since 2015. And so what we're seeing is a warming trend. And when you look at the yearly data, because 2021 is not fully and hasn't ended. Um, so we have data through, through 2020. The year 2020 was the second warmest year on record uh, behind the record year that occurred in 2016. How, how so, much warmer is it really? So the June temperature in 2021 was 0.88 degrees Celsius above average or 1.58 degrees Fahrenheit above average. Now, a lot of people might think this is a very small number, you know, 
but this they have to remember that this is a global average. So there are other parts of the world where we're seeing a faster warming, such as the Arctic. Now, what I like to tell people is that a small change in the global average temperature can lead to big changes in extreme weather events, um, such as more intense and more extreme heat waves, uh, more extreme and intense droughts, and we're also seeing some areas receiving a lot more precipitation. Um, so all of that has consequences to our life. You know, it can impact our health, it can impact the economy, our well-being. So that's why it's so significant for us to continue monitoring the Earth's climate. And of course, this week we are experiencing a lot of that with extreme temperatures in, in the Midwest here and days and days of above 90 degree temperatures, which we're not used to and no rain. So we are feeling the direct yeah. impact of, of that now. How widespread is that? I mean, it's a drought this year and we remember the last big drought here being in 1988. Are we gonna be seeing more of this sort of thing? Of course, yes. As the climate continues to warm, we do expect for these extremes, extreme events to occur more frequently and more intense. So I would say yes. Let's talk a little bit about the West Coast. The West Coast seems to be having a worse case situation in terms of the fires and the droughts that have been going on for a long time. Are they experiencing global, global warming more than we are, or is it just a, a blip again on the radar? Yes, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I couldn't say because um, I would I would say this. There's not going to be a part of the world that's not going to be affected by climate change. Now, what type of events people are going to be experiencing? It will depend where you live. Um, some places will experience more intense, uh, for example, hurricanes and heat waves. Other places are going to see more intense uh, precipitation or drought and heat waves. So um, I would say that this is not very surprising. Now, a lot of people will ask me, hey, is this particular event caused by climate change? That's very hard for us to say, yeah, this is part of climate change. We can't really separate that because there's still what we call climate variability. Like for example, El Nino and La Nina, we know that there's, um, when there's, for example, an El Nino, which is the warm, the unusual warming of the tropical Pacific ocean. We know that, for example, in terms of global temperatures, we tend to see that the global temperatures turn to increase higher. And we see weather patterns changing as well. Some locations during El Nino will see either a drought or we'll see heavy precipitation. So there's still, climate variability taking that takes a huge role in the year-to-year -year, uh, weather patterns that we see. But what we do know is that what climate change is doing is uh, increasing the odds. Climate change, what it's doing is it's increasing the odds for these type of extreme events to occur more frequently and more intense. Does that make sense? Well, because, you know, we've had things called the 100-year flood, for example, we've had, and yeah. it seems like we've had that 100-year flood more than once in five years, for yeah. example. So how do you know if that's just a variable versus the climate change? And, and maybe that's why some people are not believers in climate change, because they say, ah, oh, it's just a variable that was going to happen anyway. Yes. So I like to say climate, there's extremes in this. But what we're seeing with climate change is that it's changing those odds to more intense and more frequent. Now, when an extreme event occurs, there it takes some time for us to analyze all the data to have a better understanding how much uh, climate change impacted or made that type of extreme event 
worse um, because we do that type of analysis is just it takes a while because we have to do several um, we take into account several scenarios and reanalysis information but we do know that climate change is making extreme weather events more intense and they're occurring more frequent because the climate is changing to a warmer climate when somebody asks you what is climate change how do you respond to that in a nutshell so I tend typically try to explain it by first explaining what climate is. So I like to take both weather and climate. We know that weather is the state of the atmosphere at a specific place and time. And it is uh, can be described by elements that we can monitor, like temperature, the wind speed, wind direction. And it's very chaotic. It can change from day to day to um, hour to hour. You can leave your house. It's sunny, it's warm, but when you come back from work, it can be uh, rainy and a little bit chilly. So it can be very chaotic, but with climate, that we can take that chaotic behavior and come to some generalizations. So with climate change, it's the changing of patterns in those in the climate, if that makes sense, through the years. And it's not something that you're gonna see in one year, it's through at least 10 or several decades of um, the changing of those climate patterns that we're seeing. Well, so as a climatologist, is your job you sit around and you look at statistics all day? Is that kind of what you do? I'm trying to picture what physically. Yes, so yes, so we get data all the time. We get data from uh, weather stations, ships, buoys, and we receive all of that data from all over the world around the first two weeks of each month. And so we we not only archive it at NCEI, but we create data sets. And that's what allows us to create graphs like the temperature anomalies map. Um, anomalies are the, the difference between a, an observed temperature and a reference temperature. And that's how we know that a place did experience either warmer than average conditions or cooler than average conditions. So that's one of the products that we create. So we create a lot of either graphs, time series to help us understand what's happening with the Earth's climate. Um, so again, just with the doctor's analogy, um, the doctor grabs all this data. He might grab, have some graphs just showing how either your past blood uh, information, if it has changed or not. So that's what we're basically doing. So not only do we receive that data, then we go ahead and write the report to tell inform the public of what's happening with the Earth's health. Now, I assume it's not just the public. I assume that uh, FEMA and other organizations use your data uh, for specific purposes. Yes, um, it's from, you know, we even have teachers using our data because they want to either use it in their class to teach their students. So we have a wide range of users. What do you tell people who are climate change deniers? I just try to provide them the facts, you know, um, usually I will try to understand, you know, ask them why, what is it that they don't, um, what is it that it's making them not fully accept that climate change is happening. And once I understand where they're coming from, then I can provide them with the facts. Um, usually, you know, when I encounter that those type of folks is because they're grabbing information from bloggers. Um, and I tried to explain to them, you know, I would definitely go to an official source because I can go on a website and write whatever I, my opinions of something and that doesn't make it right. So I usually tell people to go to official sources to get their information. Which Noah is one of them, I assume. And what are some yes, of the other? Noah is one of them. And that's the other thing. Yes. I also tell them, you know, going back to the doctor's analogy, if you, if your doctor tells you, 
let's say you have a vitamin D deficiency, you can either accept that or go and get a second opinion. So you go to another doctor, they do different tests on you and they come up with the same conclusion. You either accept that or you go move on. So by the third time, the doctor tells you the same thing. At what point are you going to believe that? And so NOAA is not the only uh, agency that creates the global uh, global data set. There's actually more than three agencies, but right now I'm just going to talk about three. We have NOAA, NASA, and the UK Met Office each create their own independent global temperature data set. But so they do different things. But when you look at the um, final product, they all agree that the global temperature is increasing. Now, from year to year, there might be some minor differences, um, which is expected because, again, there might be some differences. Like, for example, NASA has global coverage over the poles. NOAA, at this time, does not cover the poles. Why don't they have that already? I guess that surprised me when you said that it wasn't covered. Um, because we really didn't have enough data over the poles. We do have some for the Antarctic, but not a whole lot. And through the years, we've been able to create partnerships and help, you know, gather more data that we didn't have before. So right now, that's basically what's happening. We There's more technology, I want to say, mm-hmm. as well, to include other data sources in our report and the data set. But so you, we, you do expect some minor differences, but when you look at them and you lay them together, they all are saying the same, come to the same conclusion. It's always funny here. We're in Minnesota. So whenever we've got those 30 below or colder, people will say, well, yes. see, global warming isn't a thing. You know, here we are. We're the coldest winter ever. And that that really, I think, plays into people saying, well, really, it's how can it be? Yes. And, I, you know, that makes me think that we're not a good, doing a good job in explaining the difference between weather and climate. You know, again, weather can be very chaotic and climate, you have to look at decadal changes because from year to year, weather can bring, you know, some cold temperatures. But what we're seeing is that overall we're warming everywhere uh, across the globe. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's one of the main reasons we need to do a better uh, job explaining the difference between weather and climate. And we're not saying that there won't be any more cold um, events. They're still going to happen, but they are won't, probably won't be as cold or as frequent as they used to be 30 or 60 years ago. Do you follow zones for planting zones? I'm a big gardener. So for example, I'm in zone 4B when it used to be more toward 4A and you know years ago, probably more toward the 3 be zone. Do you watch those two and see how those are changing? We do. We provide that data. Yes. Um, I do know that we have colleagues that provide like heating degree days, mm-hmm. um, information, uh, planting zones and whatnot. We do provide that. Tell, talk about the, the trends. When did we first start noticing climate warming? When, when did it start to become an issue when people said, oh, this is something we should worry about? I mean, was there sort of an aha moment or what triggered people no, to even think about apparently, it? Um, apparently, there have been publications even before I was born <laughs> that were, you know, that were concerned about climate change that was occurring. But I think at that time, people weren't taking it very seriously. I think now people are more aware because, you know, of it's more of a warming trend and because you know we're seeing as well some of these impacts you know every time we see like for example the heat waves that are occurring in the northwest and what affected western canada more intense and frequent droughts and 
you know, hurricanes as well. Hurricanes are a big topic. I'm originally from the Caribbean island of Puerto Rico. So when we had Hurricane Maria, that impacted, you know, I don't know if you heard about it, but all of Puerto Rico was devastated with Hurricane Maria. And so what we're trying, we're, we're seeing now with hurricanes is that we're not seeing a, an increase in the number of hurricanes, but what we're seeing is that when the ingredients necessary to uh, create a hurricane come together, we're seeing that they're intensifying much faster, they're getting stronger, they're moving slower, and the rain associated with these storms are increasing as well. So I think the more that we talk about it, people are listening, people are becoming more aware, they're getting interested, either because they've been impacted by an event or have heard other people being impacted. I think people are more aware of it now and we should continue talking about it. The more you know, the better informed decisions we can make to um, mitigate future, you know, future changes and adapt uh, and help us adapt to the changes that have occurred already. Can you answer the question, how has the rate of warming increased? Is there a percentage like it's it's gone up X percent over the last five years, 10 years, you know, looking back, when did it sort of start speeding up or is it continuing to speed up even more? Yes. So let's see, looking at the entire data records, there's an increase of 0.08 degrees Celsius um, since 1880. So that might seem very small. It does. It seems very small. Yeah. But when you look at, let's go to since, let's say, 1970s, it is 0.18. So it's a little bit more than double um, that rate since 1970. It's been a little more than double. Now, again, these changes might seem small because we're looking at the globe as a whole. But remember, a small change in the global surface temperature can lead to big changes in extreme weather events, which, again, can impact our lives, leaving us vulnerable to these changes. Where are some of the worst areas of of global warming? Are there areas we're more concerned about that are heating up faster than others? Yes. Um, So we're seeing that the Arctic is warming up a lot faster. Uh, I would say about three times faster than everywhere else. So that's one of the areas of main concern. We're seeing how, you know, not only in terms of how the temperature is increasing, but we're also seeing how glaciers are melting. We're seeing Arctic sea ice extent decreasing snowpacks decreasing, uh, water levels increasing. So all of that is telling us, you know, it's it's consistent with a warming world. So what can we do about it? I mean, I think that's a lot of people saying, well, what can I do? So I would say that's more of a personal question, but you know, each person can put their little grain of salt. The question you have to ask yourself is what can you do to reduce your carbon footprint? That can be as small as changing the light bulbs in your house, making them more efficient. Is there anything else that you can do like changing the the appliances to more energy efficient? If there's more than you can do, that's fantastic. Probably carpooling with people, taking public transportation. So that's more of a personal question. You can take small steps, any step, any little thing that you can do to help reduce your carbon footprint. I, in my book, I think that would be beneficial. On a larger scale, as a world, what can we do? I mean, I've seen these schools get together to put uh, solar panels to help reduce their carbon footprint. I've seen churches. So I know that communities can come together to help reduce their carbon footprint. I think that might have a larger impact, but I'm just a scientist. You know, my job is to provide the people with the facts of what we're seeing. So beyond that, that's out of my uh, purview of expertise. 
is it concerning to you from what you're seeing in your research as as a scientist? Of course, I would say global temperatures are continuing to increase and we do expect them to continue increasing as long as the greenhouse gases continue to increase in the atmosphere. So to me, that is something to be concerned about, you know, and when I talk to people and they ask me, you know, what else can I do? Not only, you know, I tell them about what can you do to lower your carbon footprint, but just making sure that you are uh, aware of what's happening. That's very important and spreading the information about climate change. So others can continue learning about what's happening. To me, that's a a big uh, way of contributing as well. It's very likely that the year 2021 will rank among the 10 warmest years on record. Yes, we are very confident. Um, Maybe it will not rank among the five warmest years on record, but we are very confident that it will rank among the 10. And the reason for this, again, I spoke briefly about El Nino and La Nina, is because uh, we started the year with a La Nina, which is the opposite of El Nino. It's the unusual cooling of the tropical, uh, the eastern tropical Pacific Ocean. And so when La Nina is present, we tend to see that global temperatures tend to be slightly lower in comparison to those years where where an El Nino was present. So that's why the year started a slightly cooler comparison to most recent years. But with all that, it's still going to rank among the 10 warmest years. We'll know more by the end of the year. We tend to do that analysis of how the year will end um, by the end of this year. So by November of 2021, we'll know, we'll have a good idea where 2022 will end. We are talking with Ira Sanchez Lugo, a climatologist with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Thank you for the opportunity. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where you are part owner. Member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by Lee Pomeroy. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.